Grace and peace is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the power to serve one another. Amen. We're in a summer sermon series that I titled One Another, and we're just looking through the Bible, especially the New Testament, at where God in the epistles will tell us, those are the letters, will tell us these things He wants us to do for each other. So we started with love one another several weeks ago, then the next Sunday, forgive one another, and then encourage, teach one another was the third Sunday, the fourth was to encourage one another, and then today is to support one another. And support is very similar to encouragement, but it's not exactly the same. And so I want to share with you God's Word on this beautiful mandate that He gives us as Christians that we joyfully embrace. So I'll start with trying something that I know will make you suffer a little bit because I'm going to try to sing from up here just a little bit. Have you ever, do you remember, this will date you, do you remember hearing this commercial? With this song on a commercial. Um, people, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Now, if you didn't hear it in a commercial, you may have heard the song, right? Did, how many of you heard it in a commercial? Okay. Do you remember what commercial company it was? I think it was a telephone company. I wanted to say it was Southwestern Bell, but I searched in vain to find find that on YouTube for them. But it was always on my radio and television when I was a teen. The song, actually, I did some research, came out in 1964. I was born in 63. But the song came out, it was written especially for the Broadway musical Funny Girl that Barbara Streisand was the main actress, and then she did the movie, and, that's, and she's got such a beautiful voice. She, made that, she sang that song into our hearts. But it, the, the the, re- what, the reason it stuck with me is not just because it was a great commercial. It's because of the thought that's there. I remember thinking as a young teen, what a, what a neat twist of thoughts and how true it is. Because we tend to want to not act like we need it so much. When, we, when humanity fell into sin, and it, it, the, 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 the root sin was they wanted to be like God. So as you grow up, you want to learn to tie your own shoes, dress yourself, take care of it, support yourself. You want to be self-sufficient, independent. And it's counterintuitive for human beings, sinful as we are, to think about it's wonderful and blessed to have needs of support from other people. Uh, But it is what God said about us in perfection when he made Adam. He said, it's not, you finish the sentence, it's not good for man to be alone, and he made a suitable helper. And so marriage is the closest epitome of support, that, but all humans are supposed to support one another. Well, look at the second verse of this song. We are children needing other children and letting our grown-up pride hide all the need inside. It's, again, this is a secular song. It's not scripture. It's a song, though, that's putting, it's, it's real easy to watch secular songs put their finger on the problem. We know God's love in Christ and God's love in us from God is the great solution. But you can see how the world can put its finger on the problem. But doesn't, isn't this clear? We are like children needing the love of children. We need that pure childlike relationship with each other, that interdependent, that support. Uh, as adults, even, we have forgotten sometimes what it's like just to go over to somebody's house, knock on the door and say, I just want to hang out because we are 
friends, right? But little kids are always doing. They don't have any other responsibilities. And we can hide behind all of our other responsibilities, problems, misgivings, phobias, and everything else. And as people, we can be longing and needing, longing for and needing support. And we, as God's people, want to give it. In addition, as I just kind of set this up for you, the need for support, uh, it, it's very telling to me when I, as a pastor, have got, had the opportunity to sit with a person who's gone through some kind of treatment. It could be just hospital treatment, but it might also be for mental illness or for drug abuse or whatever, and they're getting out of the center. And they've really, with all the support, they've really done well. And then to sit with them and their counselor and listen to the counselor ask the question, what is your support network like? Because in all good treatment of other people, you know, if there isn't a good support network, human beings, we just don't do well. All of this is to say God intended for his church to be a support network. He intended for us to find in our church a group of friends that are like family. And actually, he says they are family. And so I'm going to take you to a place in the Bible and let it talk to us. It's, it's Romans chapter 12. Now, Romans is one of the most basic and yet beautiful books in the Bible. In the first uh, uh, eight chapters, he tells about the beautiful gospel that's so much better than living under the law. And I just summarize that and try to be short-winded and not say any more, but I'm so tempted. 9 through 11 is about how God's love is for Jew and Gentile. Back then, that meant a lot to people. Today, it's not quite the thing we think about every day. But chapter 12 starts, In view of the mercies of God, present yourself to God as a what? Some of you know the verse. You said it, living sacrifice. A, a sacrifice of thanksgiving that's alive and breathing and doing, and you're not dying through it. And present because the mercies of God are in your life. Then chapter 12 follows with all of these ways that you can be a living sacrifice. Because God doesn't just say that and then leave you to guess. And the list of ways includes supporting one another, being, being support. Okay? Um, the reason I wanted to separate this and make it different is encouragement has to do with speaking to one another, and support includes that. But support has that picture of just being a strength in someone's life where they need it, and it may be without words at all. It's like the silent stakes next to a tree tying it off to help it stay straight. Romans chapter 12, uh, we're going to read 19 to, to 15, and then I'm going to pick out three verses uh, as we talk about it, okay? So I'll read it to you. It's, uh, the three verses are on the screen, but I'll read to you the whole section. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never lack in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I'm going to slow down here. Here's another one. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. Isn't that a lifetime of meditation? <laughs> I'm going to pick out three, and they're on the screen for us. And if you will, in the back, just leave them up there. Don't, don't, don't feel like you've got to push to the next slide while we talk about these things. The first verse tells us why, and the second two verses tell us how we support one another. Uh, what's interesting about this first verse at the top, verse 10, he says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Uh, sometimes in translation, in, in the, the translators are trying for simplicity, but they, they, what, so, to, to, if you make that your priority, you will leave the emphasis in the dust. And so uh, sometimes as a pastor, to be faithful teacher of the Holy Word of God, we just want to tell you a little bit more about the original, okay? You can pile up terms in the original language of the New Testament and have an emphasis that can get lost in English. So this is, in English, this is how the original kind of sounds as the thoughts go. In brotherly love, love each other as a brother in your family with family love. That's the way it piles up those words. You can see how awkward that is, right? So the NIV translators that translated this verse said, be devoted to one another. What's the devotion of? He's my brother. She's my sister. That's my family member at my church, right? That's what he's saying, and, and, and he's emphasizing that. So what the why of supporting one another is you, I'm going to say it negatively first, you cannot look at any other Christian and say, they're not really my kind of people. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't say they're too old. They're too young, they're too conservative, they're too liberal, they're too... You can't say that. You can't say they're too woman, they're too man, they're too black, they're too white. You can't say that. They are your brother and sister in the Lord and you cannot divorce yourself from them. You be devoted to them and support them. And this is a challenge that gets bigger and bigger as your church congregation gets bigger because it's hard to keep up right? And then add to that a pandemic that makes us all sit at home and put masks on and then talk about preaching support one another. What a challenge, right? But he, what, what the Bible is saying is, I want you to be, the, the why is this because I made you siblings. And the blood that binds us together is the blood of Jesus, not the blood of our biological family. It's the blood of Christ that has cleansed us and made us his own and, and the Holy Spirit that brought us to faith. At the core of my being, I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, my Savior, and your Savior too. And I see you as covered by his blood and righteous in God's sight, even though you're kind of quirky. Right? That's, that's the way we need to look at each other if we're thinking about the quirks of other people. You're looking at me like, did he just call us quirky? Uh, I'm kind of quirky. We're all kind of quirky. See, we're covered by the blood of Christ. We are brothers and sisters, and we can never divorce ourselves from that. Therefore, support one another. 
This is the question that we want in church more than a different, I'll show you the other question we don't want. The question we want to hear is, how in the world am I going to help them because there's so many needs out there and I don't know where to start? That's the question we want you to have. Not this. Did, what really happened to her? Is, is somebody helping him? You see the opposite? The opposite's there? Uh, God wants us to be in touch and supporting one another. So that's the, that's the why, because we're brothers and sisters. The next verse, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Um, what does that mean in a list that has things about emotional support in other verses? This has to do with physical needs. Share with God's people in need. God wants us as a body of Christ individually to share with each other in need and collectively as a congregation to share with people in need. And here's a big fear I have as a pastor. Because you know we are an organized fellowship of believers that you as an individual Christian would become lazy at sharing with other people who are in need. So to preach this for you, I want to just say it. Clearly, you can't just depend on the church to do it. You are the church. So you want to be involved saying, how can I help? How can I be a part of that? And are we doing anything for them? And we do lots of things so we can rejoice in that. I said this a couple of weeks ago, maybe. We've bought braces for some people that met one of our members at a gas station. But it was a young man that they're very poor, kind of live on the streets. The whole family does, has a really bad bite. We got help from our larger church body that has a, a Christian aid and relief money. We put some money in and we paid for his braces. We've bought a member here during COVID said, I want to give to anybody in need that's affiliated with this congregation. And this one member through us anonymously bought another member a car. Isn't that cool? Amen. That's great, right? Uh, Nathan's family knew that we were going, Mary and I are going through just this little dietary thing. So we're using their juicer. And Melissa said, just keep it until we need it back. That's support. I picked a very small example, very large examples. And it's true of everything in between. Passing down clothes because your kids outgrew them, but the other kids in your fellowship need them, right? Rather than just hauling them off, giving them just to the garage sale, why not ask around church? You know, meals for people, whatever the needs are, money, right? I've seen members in the hallway slip another member a $20 bill. Sharing with those in need. I can't stand up here long enough and give you all the examples, but you can fill in the blanks. And you're thinking of your own life. And all I'm asking is that you be afflicted enough by the Word of God that you'd start thinking again about your life of service to the body of Christ. And I am saying the body of Christ. And I'll show you why as we, we, get, we get further. Time out for a little footnote. Okay? This is called in Bible teaching the third use of the law. The law is God's standard by which He wants us to live our lives. The first use of the law is a curb. Everybody has the law written in their heart, whether you're a believer or not, and it curbs you from bad behavior. It doesn't keep you from being a sinner, but it curbs you. 
The second use is a mirror. It shows you your sins and your need for a Savior, and you want to find relief from that guilt, right? The third use of the law is a guide. It's a map. It shows you the way. So if you think that Don Patterson's up here trying to make you feel guilty, no, not a chance. I'm trying to make you see the guide for a full life. Jesus said, I've come to give you a full life. And when you're filled with his grace and you have a guide on how to make your life useful and purposeful, your life is never boring. In fact, I will say, if you sit around and say, I'm bored, you're not supporting your body of Christ enough. You will never be bored if you throw your life into a life of service, which includes supporting other people. You'll never be bored. You'll be exhausted. But the big question in your life will be, how do I find rest? Not, how do I find something to do with myself? (laughs) There's so many needs out there, and it's exciting to help people. And it's deeply enriching and fulfilling. And that's what Paul, who was thrown into that, right? He did it all the time. That's what Paul's talking about. Now he moves to the emotional. Footnotes over. He moves to the emotional. emotional. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. You know I can't sing. I don't even know how to read music. But you've seen singers up here, and you will again, and you've heard it now on recording of two and three and four part harmony, right? And still you can hear the melody line. I at least know there's a difference between those two things. So when you see a four part harmony, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it? Isn't it wonderful and heartwarming as they each sing a different set of notes, but they all blend together for that beautiful song? Well, God used that musical word for the church supporting one another emotionally. Rejoice, he says, harmonize with one another. Rejoice and mourn with each other. We were, God knows that since the fall into sin, that the loneliness that he created Adam and Eve to do away with is now always with us. We are all living with some kind of loneliness. And the loneliness comes from the burdens that we have of living a difficult life. And we all need someone that we can talk to that will listen and, and, and empathize and understand even if they can't change it. And it's, that's what it means to live in harmony with one another. And there is a, a, there is a good side and a bad side about using these phones. One is that you can hide in your phone anytime, any place, so you don't have to get to know the person or reacquaint yourself with a person. You can be in any group and just start looking down at your phone and you're kind of sending a, a signal. Don't mess with me. I'm connecting with somebody else. But, the good side is, is that you can connect with people and harmonize with them on your phone and so, in social contact with them. And this is one of the things that I super praise God for during the time of COVID. Because while we're being told to stay at home, we haven't been staying at home while we stay at home for years now because we're all surfing, right? We're all on our laptop or on our phone and we're communicating with one another and you can communicate and these social platforms while we can curse them think of the blessing that they have been 
that people can immediately go to church. Right now, there are at least 100 people watching our service. While I was sitting there, because I want to show you a text from a friend in Oklahoma in a minute, whose wife is dying that we've been praying for, Brad Johnston texted me and said, I'm driving my kids to their new home in California, and I listened to this morning's service. And he says, you're right, you'll never be bored. You could not imagine. Imagine Jesus and Luther. Well, Jesus knew, but Luther telling the Apostle Paul or Martin Luther that this is what the world of Christian fellowship and support would be like. While a dad is supporting his kids, he's being supported by his old church, the Word of God because of media, right? Isn't that amazing? Why am I saying that? Because you and I have no excuse for not harmonizing with one another. Both when we need it and both when they need us. We can do this. And we can do it during a difficult time. So I'll just give you another example. I just gave you one while I was trying to give you another. But John Cripp, he spells his last name Christ. He's a member of our church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My dearest friend, Pastor Don, this is this morning at 730. We are so blessed to have Christ as our Savior and wonderful friends praying for our family. In these difficult moments, Deanna has a brain tumor that showed up three weeks ago and she's only got a week or two, maybe. In these difficult moments, when we need each other so much, Jesus Christ has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us and is preparing a place for us. Now, who's serving whom? <laughs> as much as I want Deanna to stay with us, Jesus is calling. Until then, we can do, until then, all we can do is treasure every moment. May the Lord bless you and your family and you. I said, I've been thinking of you all morning, and those are the thoughts I had. We are praying in church again for y'all. My heart is with you in this. And he said, may the Lord bless you and keep you and your flock until we meet again. That's called harmony, right? And you have it too. I just thought you'd rejoice to see that uh, an example in the life of the church. That's called harmony, and we all need it. We all crave it, and we all want it. So here's a question. If you had a really neat thing happen in your life, not a life-changing event like this one, but a really positive thing that's a life-changing in a different way, who would you call? I'd always call my mom and dad. Because mom and dads are your raving fans. Well, guess what? Mom and dad aren't answering anymore. They're in heaven. <laughs> who would you call? Who would you share it with? More importantly, today, since you're sitting there and I'm up here, who would call you? Because they know that you would rejoice with them genuinely. And they would find a, a they wouldn't be alone in the, even the blessings that they had. And how can you find ways to be that person for people? To genuinely harmonize with them. One big tip would be go out. On your phone, ask them how they're doing and ask a lot of questions about what's going on in their life. And when you hear anything at all, you respond in an empathetic, loving, I'm with you, this is an awesome thing to share life with you kind of way. That's called support. That's called harmony. And God wants us all to have it. God does, in 1 John chapter 3, this is what it says. It says, God, uh, God in God was in Christ, and he, Jesus, when he came, he destroyed all the works of the devil. 
And the work of the devil was to take away, give us loneliness. And Jesus gives us harmony and support. Okay, is this important to God? Go to the next slide, Chad. Oh my goodness. It wasn't just the verse that, that I showed you. I'm going to show you how important this is to Jesus Christ. On Tuesday of Holy Week, at the end of the day, it was his last great teaching day. When they left the temple, the disciples talked about how wonderful the temple was. And Jesus said, it's going to be destroyed because the church is the temple. They said, when is this going to happen? And he started talking about the end of the world. Chapter 24 of Matthew, if you want to go look it up later. In chapter 25, Jesus, after talking about the parable of the talents and that everybody's given certain talents in their life, meaning abilities, meaning time, meaning money, meaning opportunity, meaning a country. Everybody's given a, a, a bucket full of talents. And the parable of the talents has a guy hiding the one talent he's given and he gets judged for it. And they take his talent away at the end of the parable and give it to the one who had 10 who made 10 more. And Jesus said, to everyone who has, more will be given. To him who does not have, even what he has will, will be taken away. You're going, what's that about? Well, what it's about is your life is to be spent, not saved, in support of other people. Starting with your family, then your church, and then the world. That's what it's about. And if you don't know and practice that, you're wasting your life. And you may not even know it. Because you think, oh, I didn't waste a lot of time. I started saving earlier. And I, I, I accumulated so much for myself. Wait till you see Jesus. Jesus says, this is very dear to my heart. And then he gets to chapter 25. And this is what he says. When the king comes and he divides people, believers from unbelievers. Unbelievers go to hell because they didn't believe in Christ. Believers go to heaven because they believe in Christ. But he says, what will he say to them? He's talking about himself. Tuesday, Friday he's going to die. Tuesday, talking about the judgment day. He says, when I come back, this is what I'm going to say to the believers. Do you remember the story? When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came to see me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you did what you could to alleviate the sickness or the emotional pain. You did this for me. And the righteous will say, what? What did Jesus say? When did we see you do this? And Jesus will say, whenever you did it, for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And I just want to stand on my head and say, dear Christians, do you see what Jesus is trying to tell us? The evidence of our faith is that we love the body of Christ like we love Jesus. The evidence of our faith is not a degree, knowledge of Scripture. It is not attendance. 
It is not wealth that we accumulate. It is not fame and fortune. It is not our education or our work prowess. The evidence of a person being a believer that he will cite at the end of all time for all people is, you love my church the way you love me. Wow! How sobering, how guiding, how enlightening that is, right? And before you get lost in your guilt, because you're not perfect at it, man, God knows I'm not either. Notice, he doesn't upbraid the believers for all the times they failed to do it. Why? Because his blood covers their lives. It's not that they did it perfectly. (laughs) It's that they did it at all. But if you want a full life, John 10, 10, you'll do it as much as you possibly can. So that your biggest question is, how do I find rest? Not, how do I find something to do? You are saved by grace, you live in grace, and you know Jesus is not going to hold you accountable. I have this devotional book here because I want to read to you this morning's devotion from it. And it's about it's about the life of a, of, a, of a fellowship of believers. It's called New Morning Mercies, and it's got a one-page devotion for each day of the year. This writer says, One of the themes that courses through the New Testament and is repeated in this devotional bu- book is that your walk with God is designed by God to be a community project. Anonymous, consumerist, isolated, independent, self-sufficient, Jesus and me, Christianity is a distant and distorted facsimile of the faith of the New Testament. You and I simply are created and recreated in Christ Jesus to, to, to not live all by ourselves. The biblical word pictures of a temple and a body disseminate, decimate any idea that healthy Christianity can live outside of being part of an essential community. The Bible is clear when each part is working properly, the body of Christ grows to maturity in Christ. We each need to live intentionally, intrusive, Christ-centered, grace-driven, redemptive community. This community is meant to enlighten and protect. It is meant to motivate and encourage. It is meant to rescue and restore. It is meant to instill hope and courage. It is meant to confront and rebuke. It is meant to guide and protect. It is meant to give vision and sound warning. It is meant to incarnate the love and grace of Jesus into people who are living sacrifices. When you feel discouraged and alone, it is meant to be that answer. The church is meant to be a visible representation of the grace of Jesus that is our hope. It is not a luxury. It is a spiritual necessity. The question is, are you webbed in or not? Amen.